0: Build trust and the leads will kind of come in and that's a great strategy I think one of the reasons that people do reach out to me is because they do end up trusting me or liking my content or whatever it may be but that said I think there are a lot of strategies that you can use to help accelerate some of that now it's not gonna be instant <laughs>
1: This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Tales from the Pros, and this is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder of Imagine Ovation. My wonderful guest with me here today is a successful entrepreneur as well as the founder and CEO of Accelity, which is a B2B inbound marketing agency. She is also a LinkedIn thought leader, hovering over 60,000 followers, a woman's entrepreneurship advocate, and an amazing content creator. Please welcome the amazing Jackie Hermes. Jackie, I really appreciate you being here today and taking the time to chat with me. So thank you very much. This is awesome. Yes,
0: Thanks for reaching out, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, cool. I know we we connected a little bit on LinkedIn, um, and I've always wanted to have the time to talk to you know talk with you and uh, did some research on you and your background. It's very inspiring. Uh, Seems like you've been through a lot, which is you know I know it's it's tough to say this, but it's kind of cool to talk with someone that has been like yourself that's been that has this inspiring journey because I know it's not going to be a boring conversation. We're gonna have a really kick ass conversation and. Um, and I think people will, will find a lot of value in it and be inspired by you and um, that 's the goal here today, so thank you again, really appreciate
0: it yes let 's do it
1: so uh, you know the first thing I want to start off with uh, jackie is is really you know i 'm a huge advocate for storytelling. I love it. I think everyone has an inspiring story to tell, and I know that you do um, and just from you know aside from the successes you 've had in business and and where you 're going, um, can you tell me on a high level? How you know how you got to where you are today? I know you love marketing and content, and um, you know you talk a little bit about um, you know inbound marketing and, and and entrepreneurship. I know you started some other businesses before this, and that's cool. So tell us a little bit about about that journey.
0: Hmm, how far back should I go? It's so funny. Usually, when people ask me for the story, they're like, "Tell me about your business journey," but not like the rest of it. So, well, you know,
1: I. I I'll leave it up to you. I never want to. I always want to make sure that you're comfortable telling, talking about whatever you want. So you know, it could be a little bit about life, or just talk about how you started, at least in business. You don't have to talk about, hey, I was two years old and I had this. (laughs) And I was born. I had a lemonade stand. No,
0: Um, you know, it's it's funny because something that's top of mind when you ask that is, uh, I was just thinking about writing a post about some comments I've gotten recently about my strong opinions and how I must be so privileged and must have a lot of support from other people. Um, which is really, it's interesting because people make assumptions that I have a rich family or I have, you know, because bootstrapping your mm-hmm. company is not something that is very easy to do when you don't have that support. Um, but I mean, the short version, I'm the first person in my family that went to college, um, which going to college is not an indicator always either way. I don't fully believe that you even need a degree to be able to start a company. And I know some people that that haven't done it, which is great. Um, but you know, for me, that was a huge milestone. And I'm also the first first kind of entrepreneur in my company. My parents always had entrepreneurial tendencies. Um, Like my dad developed this weed sprayer that was like a lawnmower attachment. And I remember he like shipped it off to like China to try to get it manufactured. And he was like taking pictures of my mom spraying weeds in the front yard. And I was like, this is weird. What is he doing? You know, when I was little. Um, So I got to see some of that growing up, but I was very questioned when I wanted to start my own company. Uh, My first business that I started was a vegan cookie company. And I think I read
1: about that. It's so cool.
0: (laughs) It's I don't even like how that happened. I think I like blocked that part of my life out largely because it's hard work, man. Like you have to figure out where you're going to rent space and where you're going to make cookies and we ended up Mm -hmm. renting from a cake maker um, that was there during the day and we could only be there at night so i had a baby and it was like trying to make cookies at night so that i could you know sell them from tents on the weekend um, and try Mm -hmm. to get them into grocery stores which people don't really realize that to get product into grocery stores sometimes you have to be there yourself to hand it out and to sell it you know because it's not like a a preservative list cookie just appears on the shelf and people are like looks great and they try it that's just not really how it works Mm -hmm. so that was really like how I dipped my toe into business and it wasn't simple by any means you know it's i my family uh i love them so much and they're very supportive but they also really value stability um and i don't think that they saw this as a very stable path for me now they're used to my antics now that i'm you know however many years into this and i'm like oh i'm gonna do this, you know, like my next thing that I want to try to tackle is um buying and managing rental properties. And now that I tell them stuff like that, they don't bat an eye. Um, mm-hmm. but the journey to get there was not not a super easy one, but I'm glad I did it. That's for sure.
1: That's cool. So it kind of that that uh it seems like when you started that, that was the cookie company, right? Mm-hmm. That gave you this that, this entrepreneurial show entrepreneurship tick, kind of this this something in your in your mind and body and spirit that really triggered you to to start something else and keep going with it and you so do you kind of feel a little bit Jackie that you couldn't really work for anybody else again you now that you've had your business you know it's a lot of work it's hard it's hard as hell Mm -hmm. I I get it but you you ever have that you ever ever think about that like could actually work Mm -hmm. for someone again because you've done both it seems right
0: Yeah. Yeah. I worked in corporate. I started my career at GE Healthcare, which is a big company. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of got to see all the layers and how to try to push projects through. And, uh, and I knew that I didn't want to stay in a company that big, though. I did like working for GE. The people there are very dedicated Mm -hmm. to what they do um, and to -hmm. their work, which, which I've always loved. Then I worked at an $80 million software company and it was it was easier to push things through, but still, I mean, you can't make as much of an impact, you know, like, like in my business or in the companies that we're working with, which are largely startups, it's a quick process, you know, cause I'm talking to the CEO and we're like, we should do this. And they say, sounds good. Then we go do it. Um, so it's just a little bit different. I, I think I've been thinking about whether or not I could work for someone else more during this pandemic because my company took a pretty decent hit and it's been it wasn't all at one time so it's just been like business has kind of been trickling away over time and during that time we've been selling as well but it's been scary for sure and so I've been like you know is everything I've been working for for the last seven years in this agency evaporating Uh, am I going to have to go get a job am I even employable anymore um I know I could do it but do I want to I don't really think so but who knows yeah (laughs) It is. And, and
1: I know I appreciate you being so candid and honest in this. Uh, you know, I, I know you've written some posts about this as well. It's just, it's a crazy, I mean, just what people are going through. It's a crazy struggle and it's good to even for us to talk about it now because we can look back later and be like, man, did we actually have the interview during this? And we, we were present. Um, and I, I think it, you know, I, I think we just got to keep moving forward and support each other and, um, and just, um, I, I do believe that having the, the time to think can be good, but it is also very scary. I struggle with it too, because sometimes when you have so much to think about, you overthink it and you're like, mm-hmm. what the heck am I doing? Am I even, like, is, am I gonna survive? Am I, what's going on here? And it's just, it, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and I'm sure if we go back to like our, our grandparents, or great grandparents who were in the depression, um um at least well not mine but at least some time of of people that were born and raised here um you know and and they could probably say the same thing that was very scary times and now it's we're kind of going through that as well and it's it's tough so i have a lot of respect for you and and you building your your business and we'll talk about Celity in a little in a second asking you what that you know what your company does but um i I, all hands on to you i think that's that's great so lots of respect to that you know that's that's fantastic But uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to your marketing agency, so tell us a little bit about what you guys do. And um, that started years ago, right?
0: Uh, Over over four years ago? Seven, actually. Seven. Awesome. So, yeah. uh, i i had a few kind of freelance clients on the side and i just kind of up and (laughs) quit my job which is maybe not always the best move but i really believed that i could turn my side hustle into a full-time thing and that was seven years ago so now we've got i don't know 15 employees um, all working from home in milwaukee Mm -hmm. Um, we just built out a brand new office at the end of last year so now I go there, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> sad. Yeah. Um, but, so what we do is we work with mostly B2B software companies, some B2B service companies, and we help them grow faster. So a lot of companies, especially startups in the industries that we're working in, it might be banking and finance, healthcare, insurance, um, old industries that technology is entering into these industries and changing them. It can be very difficult to sell into these old established companies as as a startup because it's very hard to gain trust. Um, You don't have the contacts in the industry often, though sometimes the companies are founded by someone with experience that does have contacts. But you have to be able to gain trust of all of these decision makers to make a sale. And that's really what we do is gaining trust and helping generate leads through content, through building out websites and just making making the companies look a little bit larger than life. And that's actually that's what we do for ourselves too. So I actually was just in a um, accelerator program, a business accelerator in Milwaukee, probably at this time last year. And it was for companies that are one to $5 million, which is where, where my company lands. And uh, one of the guest speakers was there and he started a bunch of different companies. And he looked at me and he was like, Hey, I know you from LinkedIn. And he was like, kind of like, what are you doing here? And then he said, you know, because of the company size, because he thought that our company was bigger than that because of the mm. presence that we've built, which is really freaking <laughs> cool. I can't remember what he said. Like, you really bat outside of your something. It was a baseball reference that I don't know anything about sports, but uh, it was a really cool experience because I was like, that's it. That's exactly what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do for our clients is make them, you know, larger than, they actually are.
1: That's cool. And you bootstrapped this business. I mean, it was hundred percent, right? Cause you had the cookie company from what I read about you, right. And you took whatever, you know, you made from the previous company, you put it into this one. So there's probably a lot of risk. You were scared. You went through all that stuff. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, and it started, I like what you talk about, cause this is what I want to focus a little of this episode on is, is the bootstrapping aspect. People, I, I've worked with hundreds of startups as well. And I know that. People always have this idea. They want to be the next best Facebook or Uber, right? All this stuff you hear, I'm sure. Um, And you don't, I don't always believe, hey, you need the next best amazing idea to be successful. That's not true. And I think that's a wrong stigma that people have. You know, there's a lot of competition in marketing. There's a lot of competition in technology and podcasts, right? All that. But there's ways you can differentiate yourself, right? So Mm -hmm. you started this side hustle. You had the passions of marketing. You had the skill of marketing. um, You you grew your experience. It seems from LinkedIn. You have an amazing, you know, I mean, you have huge reach and lots of contacts and network. Um, But how did you really know when you had your side hustle? How did you translate that into actually building, being an operating business? What was that like? Was it just because of the, the, the clients coming in? You couldn't. You you couldn't uh handle that work? Was that just the time you're like, this is time. This mm-hmm. is
0: it? You know, I think that I was honestly kind of lucky to make some good decisions at the beginning because mm-hmm. I have always been of the like school of thought that If you're not really good at the work, you have to outsource it to someone else. So there are, my entire team is full of people that are better at what they do than I am. And I think a lot of people that start a company try to hold on to every little piece that they feasibly can do. Um, Like I go to an athletic trainer and I was talking to her the other day and she's spending every night trying to figure out how to build her WordPress site. And she is like, finally after a few weeks, like, ah, I got my homepage done. And I'm like, that's awesome, could you do a trade with someone that knows WordPress and that needs your services or something like that so that you can focus on what you're really good at? And she's a super hustler, she's like in her 20s, she's starting an office in Chicago, she's hiring people, she's just like taking all the risks and killing it. And my philosophy is focus on the things that you're really good at and then outsource the rest. And that's what I started doing is I started bringing in freelancers to start designers, copywriters, just people that I could do all of that. Mm -hmm. But looking back, it's like, it's probably questionable quality design, at least. Um, and when I finally had enough work going to those people, I actually ended up bringing some of those freelancers in full time. So my creative, my creative director was my very first design freelancer and she's been with me ever since. So that's cool. Six six years. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, so I, I don't know, I want to say it kind of happened organically, you know, where I just really focused on selling and getting more business and then figuring out what to do with the work.
1: That's so cool. No, I like that. That, that. I think that gives a lot of, it's going to give a lot of people great advice. And I think a lot of clarity because you know, when you're in on that entrepreneurship mode, I think we all still are. I know you are. We're always thinking, thinking and yes. new ideas, but when you're in that startup, you're not a startup anymore, right? You're established. But when you're in that startup, the first one or two years, three years, you're, you don't know what to do. We don't, I, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I first started. I mean, nine years ago, I'm like, what what, what am I even doing? Things are disorganized, pro- unprioritized. It's just crazy what you mm-hmm. learn over time, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you probably went through that too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just you
1: don't know what's going on sometimes, you know?
0: But I still feel like that after seven years, because it's now yeah. I, I've gotten us to this stage, but how the heck do I get us to the next stage? I actually I've been having some conversations with potential investors that know how okay. to get to that next stage. Uh, and I always end up saying no I usually go through all these conversations and I've done this a bunch of times and then I'm like no you know I've gotten us to this point I know that I can get us to the next point and it seems like the easy way out to me because I'm stubborn as hell and I don't want to give away any of the company Um, but it's not always the same things that get you you know to that next place
1: and with, uh, with LinkedIn, especially um, with you being heavily active on LinkedIn and, and doing, you know, you're doing, you're doing great on it. Wh- when did you start that process? Was it uh, a few years back?
0: Mm-hmm. Two years really? ago, actually. Do you know Quentin Allens? Or Quentin yeah. Allens? Yeah. He's he, also in
1: Wisconsin too, right?
0: He is. He yeah. and I have worked together for years, actually. He was wow. one of my first employees at Excelity. Um, then he left to start, I think he, this is his third business, so he started a few, um, and I met him for coffee a few years ago and he was like, you gotta get on LinkedIn. And I was like, mm, no, thank you. Like, uh, you know, I was very uncomfortable shooting videos and I did not want to put myself out there and open mm. myself up to criticism. And, you know, like, I was like, I need to stay in my little mentally healthy bubble, which does not mm. include criticism <laughs> from random strangers on the internet. Well, um, yeah. but but he pushed me into it and I'm so glad that he did because now two years later, I mean, my, what it looks like has changed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's built, brought so much to my company. I mean, it's how I met you. It's how I meet a lot of people mm-hmm. that are just such valuable relationships now.
1: And do you, I, I know we talked a little bit about this before uh, the, the pocket, the, when we started, but So do you, do you, for at least for your own personal branding that you tie into your company, do you plan ahead some of your content or a lot of it is ad hoc, just your intuition, how you feel? I'm going to post a video today, it's Tuesday or Thursday or Friday or Sunday, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. how do you, how does that process work in your, in your mind?
0: I used to plan it ahead. Um, So I actually, Quentin's company did a lot of my like shooting, editing, planning, and all of that stuff. So we would shoot five videos a week and then we'd put them up the next week. Um, And now COVID really changed my thought process around this because I don't have uh, someone shooting my videos for me and someone captioning them. And I do Mm -hmm. still have designers on my team that are helping with that stuff, but now it's more, it's up to me. And it's been cool because I, my content has changed a lot. I think it's gotten more real where I'm just like talking about whatever I'm thinking about or the struggles of that day. Um, like you said that you read that article I just put up yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, about, you know, which I love
1: by the way. I love It was great. It was really good. Yeah.
0: And, and you know what, that started as me just this weekend thinking and jotting down some things in a note in my phone, and then realizing like, I think this could be a really great article. And so it's, it's a lot more organic now. And it's a lot more of a representation of just what I am experiencing and how I'm feeling, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, and I think you can do it both ways, but I'm liking this for me, for now.
1: Mm-hmm. You embrace your vulnerability, and that's hard. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. I I mean, I really struggle with that, Jackie, is there's some things like I went through, um, you know, bullying uh, when I was a kid and all that. And sometimes I'm afraid to talk about it to the whole LinkedIn world. I just don't. Well, maybe I should. I don't. I don't know. Anyways, but mm-hmm. um, you have yeah. to know
0: that when you do talk about stuff like that, you're gonna get 99 supporters, and for every 99 supporters, you're gonna get a hater, someone that mm-hmm. says bullying isn't real, or you know whatever the heck it is. And you have to be prepared to handle stuff like that. I've posted mm-hmm. content uh, when I was not prepared to handle stuff like that, and it can really it can take you down. Um, I posted a few weeks ago about how someone screen grabbed one of my posts and submitted it to a a meme site or a meme page on Instagram and and someone sent it to me and there were just hundreds of comments of just saying terribly nasty things about me. Was it the meeting post? Yeah. Yeah. People were very unhappy about that one, Um, (laughs) which, you know, it it was looking back, it could have been a little bit of the phrasing of the first one, which was a little like, I hate the word sassy, but it kind of was. And that's just how I was feeling and how I wrote it that day. So whatever. But by the time I saw this post on Instagram, there were honestly, there were like 8,000 reactions to it. And there were hundreds and hundreds of comments just kind of tearing me. Down. Um, and it took me out for like a good hour. I sat there and read them all, which you should never do. Never do that. Um, it's, you know, that I always tell people like, don't read the comments and don't watch your own videos back. And then I did it anyway. But if you can turn it into fuel to show people like this stuff does happen. And I, I really just like retold my story and put it all out there and said, this happened. And I think this is bullshit. And, uh, you know, like, I'm not going to change my stance. You cannot bully me into changing my opinion on this. And Mm -hmm. the amount of support that I got back from that was incredible. And it allowed me to take back my power. So it's, that's just kind of like the coping thing that I've learned. I don't, you know, like people like Shay, Shay Robottom, tons of, tons of supporters. Also, she gets a good amount of hate.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Like,
0: you know, Coping with stuff like that, man. I just, I don't know. It's something I'm still figuring out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get all these trolls, and you wonder, are they doing? Are they working? They, they have this time to just <laughs> say, hey, Jackie, this is this is crap. This is not good. Or Michael, this is not good. Or this is, you know, you're not. Uh, it's just. Uh, I, I've seen some. I've seen a lot of hate, but I feel like I've seen it uh, worse on some of these other platforms on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's actually been a little bit better, but that's what yeah. I've seen. I don't know enough. Yeah, I agree. I
0: agree. People are more professional, I think, on LinkedIn and and a little more kind. Um, I mm -hmm. think that when you when you can get to the point where you're looking at this hate from people and you're trying to think about how must they feel to want to write something like this and what headspace or what must they be experiencing to be reacting and lashing out like this uh, to a stranger on the Internet. You, and then it ultimately I just end up kind of feeling bad for them. And then I can just let it evaporate from my brain a little bit. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. No, I get it. I get it. Um, so, you know, uh, on a more at least business perspective on LinkedIn, right? Cause I think a lot of people want to know this. Um, You know, I'm sure for you, and this is my assumption, is that you probably get a lot of leads, probably pretty good Mm -hmm. leads on it, which is, that's so good to hear because I'll tell you, at least for me, for me being more of a new content creator on LinkedIn, um, which I'm loving it. I love the challenge. It's all, it's all great. I love the platform. Um, I've been on it for years, but lately the last few months I've been posting every day, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. Um, But I feel like lead generation for many people out there, it's, it's hard. So do you have any advice for those out there that are struggling with lead generation Uh, from, from what I've understood? And I think this is with anything in business. You, it requires lots of patience. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just posted about this. yesterday. actually remove that instant gratification. We want that that quick result, right? Get that out of your head, right? It requires a lot of patience, perseverance. It's like anything in business. You want something, it takes time. So Mm -hmm. it's probably the same thing with LinkedIn, right? But there's a little more strategy. So do you have some, advice on a strategic perspective on LinkedIn? Or is it
0: just, yeah. You know, I, I don't think, I think that a lot of people think that you, and this is the advice I hear a lot, build trust, and the leads will kind of come in. And that's a great strategy. I think one of the reasons that people do reach out to me is because they do end up trusting me or liking my content or whatever it may be. But that said, I think there are a lot of strategies that you can use to help accelerate some of that. Now, it's not going to be instant, nothing really of ever course. is. But if you, so we do things like uh, creating top prospect lists. So if we have, 50, 100, however many companies that we really want to work with, then we go and we find all of their decision makers on LinkedIn. We all, we add all of them to my profile. So they start seeing my content. And the cool thing is a number of people on my team post content too. And it's all in their own way that they want to do it. There's no like mandate, like you must post content. There's you are a designer. If you want to post a really creative video or you want to post about design, go for it. Our head of sales posts about the sales strategies that work for him. Um, and if we continue to add and follow our prospects on LinkedIn, um, suddenly I start getting messages like, I don't know how I got connected to 10 people on your team, but you guys make some really great content. And I'm like, Hmm, isn't it weird that that happened? And usually I tell them, this is 100% intentional, um, mm-hmm. you know, because we're trying to get these people into our pipeline, but not in an aggressive way we're calling them every day and cold messaging them on LinkedIn. It's Mm -hmm. much more, it's, it's organic, forced organic, I guess, but uh, we still let them come to us. So I think if you put a little bit of framework and strategy around it, you can accelerate your results much more quickly. And do you have to tie your
1: content towards that target audience exactly or not necessarily? So for example, um, if you, you, you guys are a marketing agency. So do you, have to um, talk about marketing stuff specifically or not necessarily because I've seen your content. It's good. It's inspiring, but not all of it's marketing related.
0: Most of it is in, but the funny thing is you can, I think you can be successful in both ways. Like look at uh, Chris Walker on, on Mm. LinkedIn. He Mm. posts, exclusively content about marketing and inbound and lead generation and ROI and how to do all of that. And he has a really great targeted following. Now, I think that a lot of his followers are probably marketers and he probably gets a ton of leads from that. I think I'm trying to build a personal brand that's a little bit more holistic and on things Mm -hmm. that I'm interested in. Um, Like I, as a CEO bootstrapping a company, I want to talk about bootstrapping, growing a company, mindset, the mental game that comes with entrepreneurship. And I think that I've made so many connections with other founders and other entrepreneurs. I always wonder, like, should I be posting more specifically about sales or marketing? Um, But I'm just doing what feels right to me because I want to make those organic connections. And I think you never know what kind of opportunity is going to come either. Um, Mm -hmm. Most of our clients, we recommend that they educate on things related to their industries, but they're not talking specifically about themselves, which can be something hard to get over. I don't think a lot of people don't like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. I, I agree. I think it's, um, it, we have this mindset, this mentality that you have to target, you know, if, if you're running a, a, you know, if you're, if you have just a, a podcast, you have to target people that are just looking to be on a podcast, which I think it would be very hard. It's almost like what kind of people, it depends on your exact target. You could be targeting just uh, CTOs of companies, maybe, or CMOs of companies. Do you only make content, CMO content regarding around podcasts, not necessarily. I like what you're doing. That's, that's really cool. You're more holistic. You're, um, you know, and I think you're able to inspire and help people that even you're not just trying to do business with, right. You're, you're, Mm -hmm. you're going to get yourself at another level. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah. I think like, like look at uh, Gary Vee or not that I'm anywhere close, but man, I'd like to be someday. And he was running a bunch of different companies. um, And he's just giving messages that help people in general. Now, I don't always love his message or his approach, but I think I I really love the strategy behind it. And I, you know, I love my company. That's not to say that I'm going to be in it, running it on the day to day forever. Um, mm-hmm. I can see a lot of other things in in the future. Like you and I were just talking about real estate and uh, I have like a hundred different ideas of companies to start and ways to make money. So mm-hmm. we'll see. And LinkedIn is something that I wanna be able to take with me forever.
1: Yeah, I know, that's cool. And, you know, going back to um, uh, inbound marketing. So I know the reason why, because I believe inbound is the most powerful uh, way to, to execute, a, you know, your marketing in general, but for those people out there that are still learning about it, can you tell them why inbound so powerful and really what aspects of inbound are powerful? I know there's SEO, there's content, there's social, but a little bit, get, get into that just a, a little bit for me.
0: Yeah, uh, that stuff. <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's. I have spent a lot of time convincing CEOs that they should be focusing more on marketing than they are, and less on the outbound sales mentality. Um, I just got an email from someone the other day, and she said, "My CEO just wants our salespeople to cold call, and he doesn't see the value of marketing." And I, yeah, I know. And you know what? It's. It's. I think oh. it's easier for people to understand. Like step one, make a call. Step two is you get a meeting or you don't. And those are the only options. Not marketing, I think, is a little too, I don't want to say convoluted, but it's a little too layered for some people right where you're you're building this brand awareness and then you're educating and then the the consumer has all of these touch points and then they finally come to you but it's i and i don't have numbers off the top of my head but studies have shown over and over again that the more you're putting out different kinds of content and reaching your buyers be it via video via written content Um, whatever, I always say, whatever your audience is consuming, um, whatever industry they work in, meet them where they are. So if they're consuming um, publications in their industry, go and try to put content in front of them there. Um, You're going to gain trust. They're going to know who you are. And then by the time maybe you do call them down the line, or maybe they come to you, they're going to know who you are. It's going to be a faster sale. Um, It's going to be much more likely to close. And that's the power of marketing. I think a big part of it is just making sure that you're tracking, like, not necessarily attribution, but help understanding where people are coming from and how they've interacted with your brand, so that you can truly understand the power of marketing. And that's the hard part. A lot of people still see marketing as a cost center, um, when really, it's, it's not at all, you know, like in a pandemic, marketing is often one of the first things that gets cut. And it's like, Kind of like cutting off your own foot
1: trying to walk that's just, that that to me is anyway. that's yeah. a whole different conversation i yeah I, that's crazy <laughs> i i don't i don't get it they're yeah. one of the first people to cut i read something about that on linkedin mm-hmm. i was like you're you're cutting off the legs mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not going to be able to walk how mm-hmm. how can you even get somewhere when you're cutting off the legs of the organization it's unbelievable mm-hmm. agree. oh man you know and, and I, I i love it because inbound marketing is really, it's, um, it, it's pull marketing, you're pulling them in, it's almost, re- it's a, like a reverse psychology tactic, you're not, you're not trying to, um, you know, be in their face selling them, you know, having these spam, spam phone calls, when, you know, when someone calls you, I'm sure you get these spam emails and phone calls all the time, it's so annoying, and you're like, I'm, I'm not even, I, I got a, I got a message on LinkedIn about, hey, what we're trying to franchise, I'm like, I don't own a restaurant, I don't, I don't understand. Why are you targeting me? I don't even get it. It
0: doesn't make any sense, you know? So. I agree uh, 100%. And there are so many other, like outside of just the piece of growing your business, more sales, there are things like making your company desirable to employees. And there are just so many benefits that usually when we start working with companies that haven't really really been doing any marketing, they're like, wow. we should have started this a long time ago because it's not something that you just go like poof, magic, and suddenly like you're doing marketing. Um, it takes a long time. It took us, honestly, years to really crack the code of getting okay. the numbers really high on our site and getting tons of prospects in our pipeline. Um, we really like felt like we were on a hamster wheel for a while trying to crack that code for ourselves, and that can happen with clients too. So it's definitely... Mm-hmm now is the time to yeah. start.
1: <laughs> it is. And, and, you know, I, I want to give you props as why well. I, I sent you this in the LinkedIn message. I love your website. Thank you. I love it. It's really cool. I know you guys worked hard on it. It's very simple. It's sleek. It's intuitive. Um, and I think it shows like the effort, the, all the effort that you put in, put in year after year in it. Cause you know, a lot of us, I know you've been running the, your company for years now, you've probably redesigned it a few times, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it takes so much trial and error to get it right. But I do love, I I love the logo, the corporate identity. It's very simple. It's, it's um, the the site's very um, easy to navigate and and you understand what you're trying to accomplish. And that's all, that's good stuff. It really is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. I think that when I look at marketing, I'm always trying to take the, and that's kind of what the logo stands for is taking something complicated and making it very as simple as possible. And that's what Mm -hmm. we do is looking at all of these, like we work in insurance, Good. industries really don't get much more complicated than the healthcare and insurance industries and taking that yeah. and making it simple um, is a challenge that most companies, you a lot of times you can't do it when you're too close. So it's something that we really love doing.
1: Very, very cluttered. I'm sure you um, you've spoken to, or at least you've seen his content, David Breer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. I interviewed him, and he talked about the simplicity of of just even a logo or branding. It's it's crazy. Some of these big companies they are so cluttered. Their logo and their branding, their colors are so congested, and their messaging. And anyways, let's go into mm-hmm. what's branding. But yeah, I love what you guys have done. Um, lots of lots of props. But so uh, last last question I have for you. So I know um, we were talking about this before, at least at least on Messenger. So I always ask this to everyone. How would you define your story, Jackie's story in one word? I know that you're probably thinking about this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I saw that when you posted it and I was like, oh, I have to think about this. And then one thing popped into my head that I haven't been able to get out of my head and that word is overcome um, overcome, you know, whatever other people's expectations are, or even overcome any challenges. I think that that has been my main focus really in life is Mm -hmm. getting to that next stage. So I don't know, that's it.
1: (laughs) And I think, I think you're going to continue to overcome a lot. You know, it's, it's hard, it's hard running a business and I know you have a family and everything, you know, doing all that Mm -hmm. together, um sometimes I I don't know how people do it I don't have kids yet but I'm just like how am I going to do this when I have a baby oh my god help me! yeah yeah.
0: you know it it doesn't get easier as they get older either mine are nine nine and thirteen and they uh the challenges morph a little bit but I and you know they've all been like outside running around I see them all snacking right there uh so at least I don't have to keep an eye on them every every second that's definitely helps
1: (laughs) Mm, yeah, I'm sure that I think that word probably relates to your personal and your business life, right? Overcome. So
0: Oh, big time. That's, yep.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> um, no, I appreciate you sharing that with me. So, um, Jackie, where can everyone find you? Your, your website? I know we talked about Excelity, but the, the URL and, and your, you know, obviously your social channels.
0: Yeah, social everywhere it's excelity marketing mktg um, excelity and then I am the Jackie hermus on all the social channels so LinkedIn as we discussed is my big one and I think that their mm-hmm. Jackie hermus was taken so I put it uh, in front of it to make myself all fancy so that's where there going. you go <laughs>
1: that's good well Jackie uh, I really appreciate uh, you spending uh, some time with me here today and It was great to finally meet you and talk to you and, and, um, you know, hear about your story and, um, everything that you over, you overcame. Um, and I, you know, no doubt you're going to do even, even greater, bigger things in in your life and your career. So you're awesome. Let's continue to stay connected. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Very very honored to have you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, thanks again, everyone for listening. And uh, this is your host, Michael Giorgio on Tales from the Pros. And until next time, thank you guys. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also follow our social media. Uh, There are links somewhere around here, but uh, we really appreciate it guys. Thanks for all the support and I'm going to be giving you awesome content continuously. And we look forward to seeing you soon.